podcast that travels through the world of therapeutics. And here we aim to unwind the science from the fiction. We dump the myths and stick to the ever-developing published research. If you know, you know, but if you don't know, I'm Jenny Walker, and as well as being your host here on Therapy Unwound, I'm also a practicing integrative physical rehab therapist, and I run the studio at Cornerstone Therapies. It's a joy to have you with us for this episode. I know we've taken a couple of weeks break, but it's good to be back, good to be in the throes of it again, and um, I'm just loving the fact that we're a bit more relaxed at the moment as the summer rolls in. It means so much to us that you're here with us. It makes all the late nights and early mornings worth every minute. Thank you for liking, subscribing, downloading, sharing, doing all you do. It means the world to us. As always, we're here for our clients and we welcome therapists of all disciplines to join us along for the ride. So let's carry on with that as today we're exploring the world of stretch and it's thanks to the New Scientist um, magazine and the article by Caroline Williams and it was actually published a couple of weeks ago. The article is called Stretching the Point and Caroline Williams also wrote the book Move, the Science of the Body Over the Mind, which is currently winging its way to me and will be our next bookery book of the month for the September podcasts. As always, we'll try and link and reference all the articles below and you can go down there, do your own research, read all the papers and let us know what you think. However, the New Scientist magazine that we're looking at today was published on July 17th and it's number 3323 and we're on pages 34 to 38 if you want to kind of join us in this week's edition. So, stretch. It's a big thing, right? We have this idea that you need to stretch before and after your exercise session. And it's been in the lexicon of the gym world for the last 40 odd years. I say 40 odd years, but I would argue against that slightly. Because if you look at any Greek or Roman pottery, you will see lunges happening with gladiators in the field. And you'll see people kind of like moving around. The reason why we say stretch has been a part of the gym lexicon is actually because there was a couple of papers brought out in the late 70s and they suggested that stretch was a good thing. Since then, all gyms, all instructors have done it. But I would argue that there's not really much scientific evidence that actually helps performance. So back in the day, and I think it was probably around 20. 11, I was doing my advanced clinical massage therapy degree down at the Jing School of Massage in Brighton. And I was doing a lot of climbing back then. I was doing maybe four or five sessions a week. I was up the walls, I was doing bouldering. And I used this passion for climbing to do my dissertation. It was a really neat little study. I took 20 climbers and we chose the discipline of bouldering. And we asked them to do a rooted climb that they really enjoyed and we timed them and also videoed their performance. And then we did something called PNF stretching or proprioceptive neurological facilitation stretching and then asked them to do exactly the same climb again. And we looked at their times, we looked at their videos, we looked at their performance and most of all we asked them how they felt the stretch helped or didn't help their performance. What was really interesting about what the findings showed 
was they felt that they had improved their performance. They were better at their kind of like grips. Their footholds were more tethered and they felt that they had a really good climb. They also believed that they were quicker. The interesting thing was, is actually the stretching didn't do anything for their performance or their time. In fact, sometimes it was even worse. But that psychological edge that stretching had was really interesting to me. So this bit of research, although I wouldn't recommend anybody read it because my writing style has definitely sharpened up over the years, it always stayed with me. And most of my clients now know that I don't really advocate stretching for stretching's sake. When clients come to Cornerstone Therapies and we realise that they need to get some more movement in their bodies, they need to open up and they need to move with a bit more freedom... I give my clients resistance bands and we work with weights that are between 1 and 2.5 kg. I find that this eccentric load bearing is a lot better for movement and joint health, which we'll get into a bit later. I really believe that the science behind stretching needs to be updated a little bit and we need to have an honest conversation about why we do it. And for that reason, I really appreciate Caroline's article and her book, Move!, as we look at stretch in new, fresh ways. Also, the reason why I liked um, the article from The New Scientist was it looked at what pandiculation is. Pan, if we break that word down, pan means lots or many of, and articulation just means a lot of movement around something. So pandiculation is where we have a lot of movement around joints, which we want we want joints to move freely we want our bodies to move and the thing that i find really interesting is this is where pilates comes in and i would recommend that you go and listen to the podcast we did with maya taylor a few months ago where we really looked at what pilates can do for the body joseph pilates the guy who started pilates He used to look at cats and the way that they move. And what I really appreciate in Caroline's article is that she also looks at the similarity of Joseph's observations. Cats, dogs, they move and they stretch when they wake up. And we're very much the same. We do a series of pandiculations after another frickin' Zoom meeting. Or if we've been sat on the couch watching too much Netflix, we get up, we stretch, we move around... None of these movements actually make much sense if you look at them in isolation. But I believe it's the body trying to find its centre again, try to loosen up so we can go make a cup of tea without hurting our shoulders. I think movements needs to be spoken about a lot more and probably more than we talk about stretch. What is it that we do when we want to kind of like free our bodies? It's actually we want to move, we want to find our wings, we want to find our hips again. And all of that is pandiculation. Now, if I mention Gil Headley once more in our podcast, I think Jeremy, our producer, is going to insist on some advertising rights. But I'm going to mention him again because his video, The Fuzz Speech, is now the standard introduction to how fascia is different to the musculature fibres and bundles that we have. If we sit for too long, if we look at a computer screen, our shoulder muscles go up, as Caroline says in her articles. And I also would see in cornerstone therapies how people's um, go into this forward head projection on their on their screen. So when you look down and then tip your head, the tiny muscles at the back of your head, your suboccipitals get very tight. 
Now, Gil goes into how if we do this action for too long or if we hold an injured arm to our side for too long, what we get there is really stuck fuzzy fascia. And with fascia, we need to move it around a lot. So when we have shoulder injuries, what we need to do is move that arm as much as we can from the very beginning. This is also why when you've had a hip replacement, for example, they get you to stand and move quite quickly after surgery. With a knee replacement, they'll try and get you to walk to the loo like half an hour after you've woken up. And this is to get all that connective tissue, all that fascia moving again in a very healthy way. So your joints don't seize up and you're stuck with a lot of pain afterwards. You're unsticking the fuzz. So definitely go and watch Gil Headley's video on that and see where you fit on that kind of like, am I moving enough to unstick my fuzzy fascia? As we can tell by just talking about fascia a lot on the podcast, I'm quite into it. And I have needed to find a way of getting my clients to involve themselves in their rehabilitation when it comes to this amazing structure in the body. And I have to say, in the studio, it's come down to one simple rule. If in doubt, move. I really don't care anymore how you move. I'm just convinced that your body will tell you what is safe and what isn't. But just moving loosens everything off. I remember my mum saying that after deep structural integration sessions, she would get her clients to go for a 15-minute walk to get everything to settle down before getting in the car. I agree wholeheartedly with this. Moving with walking means that your whole body is interactive. And if you can't move for any reason, do all the movement that you can, as this will really help. Whatever your jam is, in the words of Nike, just do it. If you're on Instagram, and I presume you are, I would really recommend going over to Julian Baker's um, Instagram account, Functional Anatomy. And he really goes into what fascia is and why squatting helps move your hips, your knees, your whole body, and why it's so important to do on a daily basis. So practice those squats. But what I think is really key for us as we look into the new science of stretching is the importance that we put on it. And going back to my dissertation all those years ago, nearly 10 years ago now, why we psychologically need to move. And this is where I get into another part of Cornerstone's outreach almost with breath work. We work a lot with anxiety, which is now leading to exhaustion and hyper stress and sleep patterns. My clients feel physical pain when they're out of sync. And I personally believe that yin yoga is a very safe, formalized model of stretching. And I really advise this to my clients to do if they have any fascial adhesions or if they need to move in a more controlled way. And the reason is this, musculoskeletal fibers, so the kind of like deltoid bicep muscles, they stretch quite quickly and they have a way of doing that and they're quite happy. Fascia is really slow and it's super lazy and it needs time to stretch. So when you hold it on a longer stretch, which yin yoga allows, so up to about five minutes just doing one stretch, wiggling into that, readjusting and stretching a bit further. What we find with that is that the fascia unfuzzes even more, which I really like. 
Also, the article in The New Scientist ends with a really great mention of how fascia allows the body to calm down. It's an anti-inflammatory system. And so if you've got something like fibromyalgia, which really hurts a lot all the way over the body, and you get that globalized nerve pain, what we're seeing is that fascia work, fascia stretches, calms all of that down. So you may always have fibromyalgia, but it becomes more controllable the more you stretch your fascia out and enjoy some pandiculation and move as much as you can. So what are we saying here? We're saying that stretch is really inherent to our bodies. We can see it all the way through time, not just over the last 40 years of um, the green goddess aerobics and Lululemon leggings. What we're seeing is actually that our bodies love to move. They love that pandiculation. They like mimicking all our pets, all our animals. We love that kind of movement. I would say move as much as you can. If you want to stretch and if you want to have a formalized stretching session, I would go for a more yin yoga, slower way to go. If you're looking to help your body move out of any pain, any long held breath issues, any sleep, any any anxiety, because there are a lot of articles out there that are now saying that that slower movement, that slower stretch really helps our breathing, calms our anxiety, calms our stress. And the papers that I want you to go and read are definitely linked in the description box below for that. You can go on your own little research pathway and find out how this all works. And I would definitely look at Matthew Walker's sleep book and James Nestor's breath book if you want to get a bit deeper into how anxiety stress is helped with these long stretches. But if you want to have a good good performance on the climbing wall, if you want to have a good performance on the weights, in the gym, whatever you are doing, I would probably say if you want to stretch, great. But if you don't, I don't think it's going to be much of a problem. I remember stretching before climbs. And I have to say the 15 minute yoga, yoga stretch, kind of like on the mats or by a rock face. You look damn cool doing it, but I don't think it's going to get you to the top anytime soon. So have a great week. It's been great talking to you and I look forward to the next one. Take care. See you soon. Bye.